Happy Thursday. It is the 29th of April, 2021. I'm Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. Erin will be joining us in just a couple minutes as she wraps up our On the Brink radio show in the morning. She wraps that up as I get this rolling and she gets the rest of the radio station ready to rock. And so, uh, anyhow, I hope that your day is going well. Um, you know, there was... Uh, Little news yesterday. I was a little pouty yesterday. My Lakers lost, so I was like, <laughs> um, but uh, they couldn't hit a shot to save their lives at, for long stretches. I just, you know, I mean, they were missing layups. They were missing three pointers. They were missing mid ranges. They just missed everything. Any way you want to miss, they figured out a way to do it. And uh, you know, when you do that, you lose. You got to be able to hit the shots. Um, you know, they play good defense, but. Uh, you know, the other team was still scoring. The Washington Wizards is who they were playing, and Washington has a very high-powered offense in terms of they move very quickly, lots of speed. They're um, uh, they almost remind me of the Showtime Lakers um, from back in the '80s in that they they move the ball quickly um, and and they scored quickly. They don't they don't try to work the clock very much, sometimes to their own detriment. And they're an under 500 team. I mean, they don't even have a winning record, and the Lakers should have won, and they just just went cold couldn't shoot to save their lives and it wasn't because of some kind of awesome defense they had open shots they were just terrible just terrible i mean just hammering the rim boom you know and it's like dude you're a professional basketball player put it in the hoop not on the hoop but uh you know it happens um so uh you know and and i hope it's a little frustrating because that's you know if they go cold like that in the playoffs you 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 go like well what do we do now um, you know, LeBron has been out for a while with an injury and one hopes that when he comes back and is more physically ready to go that, uh, you know, he has historically, if the rest of his team has gone cold, he just kind of moves in and starts taking over the scoring if he has to. Um, and one hopes that he will be, uh, well enough and ready to go given the short turnaround from season to season, the 30 games off that Anthony Davis had and the time that, that LeBron is taking out is probably not a bad thing, but they do have to have a little bit of time to sort of play together again and knock the rust off as a team. Um, Anthony Davis seems to be sort of hitting his stride again. The first game or two back, he was, he looked a little, little rusty, but, uh, LeBron traditionally, um, although he hasn't missed a whole lot of games when he has come back from layoffs, he usually comes back pretty sharp. He, uh, you know, whatever it is that he does or just, you know, who he is seems to, to not, uh, to not lose a step, uh, when he comes back, but, um, that's unusual. <laughs> He's not the norm for sure. Um, so yesterday we had talked a little bit about it. Uh, president Biden had a, uh, uh he gave a speech in front of the combined Congress, um, and it wasn't really a, uh, you know, state of the union address. It was more of, uh, you know, here I've done, a, here I'm, I'm a hundred days in, here's what's going on and here's what I want to keep doing. And mostly it was, I want to keep spending. Um, but, uh, oh, here's Aaron. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, uh, I was just kind of rehashing some of the stuff that uh, we had started to talk about with um, uh, President Biden's speech and the article that we had had four things. And we never really got to the fourth one because we were kind of, 
it was disjointed across a couple commercials and I kept kind of like going off on tangents. So my fault completely. But, uh, uh, but before you do that, let's answer our trivia question. So could you remember how many disciplines there are in men's right. gymnastics? So I'm going to say four. Okay. Do you remember what they were? So pommel horse, uh-huh. uh, the bar, uh, floor, and beam. Okay. Guys don't do beam. Girls do beam. Guys do the vault, which is the bouncing across the floor in a square, right? They do the rings where they do the, you know, the iron cross and hold themselves up and flip around on the rings. They, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The the vault isn't the floor. The the floor is the one where they go bouncing around. The vault is the one where they, they, they run at the pommel horse and then bounce over the pommel horse and then fly through the air and land. That was very similar to the, the women do that one as well. So they do the vault, the rings, the floor. Then they have the high bar, which is just one bar, but it's up, up high. Remember, the women always do the parallel bars. Right. The, well, and I, and I, that's what I meant by the bar was the high bar. Yeah. Actually, the, the women do uneven bars, don't they? They have one high and one they low. Do. They do. Yeah. The guys do the high bar and the parallel bars, and then they do the pommel horse. So there's six. Ah, yeah. Six. I don't think I could have, you know, I'm reading it, so I, I, I'm cheating, but I don't know that I could have remembered those. You know, on my own, I would have gotten, I think I would have forgotten the rings. I would have probably gotten, and like you did, I would have said the bar, not thinking that there's two different types of bar exercises. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I would have forgotten that. So I probably would have ended up with like four, like you did. Um, I think that that's typical. Um, for those of us who are not in gymnastics, of course, if you, if you do gymnastics, then you know them all like the back of your hand, right? It's like, I know all the different, uh, um, swimming competitions right and so it's like you know if you're involved you know but otherwise you kind of go like i don't know i watch it once every four years yeah Uh, you are you are more than six feet tall men's gymnastics was not an option for you true yeah (laughs) um although i say that you know um diving is generally also smaller men because it's very similar type of stuff you know you've got a lot of body control spins and things like that and they tend to be uh men of lesser stature because they're able to spin and turn quicker and that yes. gets higher scores. Um, when I was uh, previously, in previous years, coaching the, the high school team that I have, we had a state champion diver who's over six foot tall and, and, and dove at the national level. Um, and is, you know, at wow. Princeton, he's, 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 uh, has not yet graduated from Princeton, but he was a state champion diver multiple years and and was very unusual because he you know it was easy to pick him out when you saw the divers standing around on deck waiting for their turn to go up he was the one whose head was above everybody else's um yes i've but, never seen a tall men's gymnast though yeah yeah i don't mean yeah. there isn't one i've just never seen one yeah well i that i'm i'm with you they probably it's probably a rarity you know it, it's it's uh like the golden for that matter, i've never seen a tall women's gymnast yeah. Yeah. I think that all the, all the gymnasts, again, because, because you get scored on, on, you know, tight tucks and quick t- and speed of, you know, how you, how quickly you rotate through the air and things like that. Um, you can just do it easier and faster if you're a smaller person. So you have the advantage. Um, and when you get to that level, every little advantage is, you know, makes a difference, you know, so yep. there might be, if you, uh, I have watched, um, college gymnastics, and uh, just a little bit of it, because um, recently UCLA was competing at the um, for the 
uh, NCAA championships. And college gymnasts, if you look at them, I mean, obviously incredibly talented, hardworking athletes, but they tend to be um, uh, women of, of greater stature. And so the, the moves are not as fast. They're not as tight. Um, you know, so you can go up the, through the college level, but I think if you want to go to the um, to the Olympic level, the world class gymnasts, they all tend to be much smaller. So, yep, I have to say, watching women's gymnastic meets, they have a heck of a lot more fun than at that elite Olympic level where everybody is so intense. Like yeah. they seriously cheer for their like seriously cheer for their teammates. They mm-hmm. it just seems a lot more energetic and fun, which yeah. is nice to see. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people, um, uh, you know, in a lot of sports are that way, too. Like, I look at uh, club swimming, and, you know, you go to these meets where there's 400, 600 people at the meet, and you go swim your race, and then you go back, and you do your warm down, and then you sit by yourself or with your friends for a while, and then you go back out, and, you know, you do your thing. And and so, you know, you're peripherally aware of what's going on in the meets, you know, where you're at and when it's your turn to get back up and go do your thing. Um, High school and college competitions – there's not a whole lot of sit down. I mean, it's you're up and yelling for your teammates, and then you're up again very quickly. The whole thing goes much faster. There's less time involved. Like a club swim meet can last, you know, six hours on a, on a weekend. Um, uh, yeah. and, and that's that's just the afternoon. If you've got, you know, age group swimmers, they'll have four hours in the morning with the little kids and then another six hours after that with the older kids. Um, and then, uh, so it's an all-day affair for the coaches, is I guess the point I'm making there. But a high school meet is, you know, 90 minutes for... You know, if you just have varsity level, if you have varsity and JV, it's, it's you know, two hours. It's boom, boom, boom. It's over with. Um, there, it is one event right after another. You have limited number of events you can swim. You know, if you go to a club meet, you can swim four or five events in a day. Uh, at a high school meet, you swim, you know, two events and, and two relays. That's it. Or one event and three relays. There's no more than four swims. All of the races are shorter, and, uh, and it's just much more intense, you know, shouting and yelling. Because they put points on it, and everybody's aware of where the points are and how the team is doing, it's just it's more more of a team atmosphere, and I think there's a lot of fun in that. So I agree. Yeah, and I and it's I the agree. same. And I, I'm talking swimming because I know that, but it's it's uh, the same with gymnastics. The same, honestly, even the same with like college golf because you know they they, they team score and 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 there's just a whole other dynamic to it when you feel like a responsibility to your teammates to go out and do your best. So I agree. I agree. Amateur uh, athletics is is fun. It is. For pseudo-amateur athletics. Uh, Tomorrow. Cool. And Mm -hmm. where is it? Uh, Web schools in Laguna Hills. Ah. I didn't realize there was a web school in Laguna Hills. I'm sorry. I said web school. Sage Hill. Last Friday was web school, and that was in Claremont. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we were at the web schools in Claremont last week, uh, and uh, we were uh, lucky enough to be able to pull off a win there. So go Saints, Cream Lutheran Saints. Right on. Yeah, baby. Excuse me. <laughs> and then uh, followed that up with a win at uh, Kennedy uh, in La Palma um, Tuesday, and now we're on to Sage Hill. You know, that makes that just makes my heart smile because the kids are out there doing their thing, being mm-hmm. active you know, being with their friends, you know, it's just nice to see the world opening back up. It is, you know, it's funny cause you talk to the coaches from each of the different places and the, and, and a lot of times again, I, you, it's funny cause you don't normally see them at swim meets, but I've noticed that during COVID you're seeing a lot more of the athletic directors out there walking around, making sure that a, everything is being done according to 
the school's policy on COVID, whatever that each school has sort of their own sort of subset of rules around how, how people are supposed to behave, but they just want to make sure that their school's not in, you know, open to any liability. So everybody's wearing their masks and staying separated and that kind of thing. But they're also coming out and cheering. And honestly, it's nice. The parents appreciate it. The kids appreciate it to see somebody from the, you know, the athletic director from the administration coming to a swim meet, which is just like, wow, really? <laughs> there's, there's one of, one of the big folks is here. Uh, it's been nice, and it's and and the attitude of all the coaches that I've talked to sort of has been, hey, you know, we're just grateful to be able to put a season together and have our kids out here doing something. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we want them to do well and we focus on that, but um, but just the fact that we're actually able to have the meets and stuff is, you know, such a godsend because um, last year there was nothing. You know, we got a couple meets and then COVID hit and boom, we were done. Um, so. So, you know, there's this national debate going on, and we've kind of talked about it, um, about whether after you've been fully vaccinated, you need to wear a mask and, um, you know, like ever Mm -hmm. need to wear a mask. Yeah, well, CDC came out with new rules yesterday. Yeah. Somebody was watching Bill Maher. New rules! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, I just, I don't know. I think the CDC is being overly cautious. I really do. Yeah. I think if you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. Yeah, the um, it's funny because uh, I was listening to um, uh, some folks from National Review talk about that very topic yesterday, um, and they were, you know, the, the the sort of the joke is like, well, okay, the CDC says the new rule is is that if you've been fully vaccinated, and you're outdoors and you're not in a crowd, then you don't need to wear a mask, and they're like. Why are they always like a month behind everybody? Because, you know, everybody's been doing that. Everybody who's gotten vaccinated has pretty much said, okay, I'm outside. I'm not in a big crowd. I'm not wearing a mask, you know? And most people are like, okay, I'm, even if I'm outside and there's a crowd around, then I'll probably put a mask on just as a courtesy because the people around me don't know that I've been vaccinated. I'm not walking around going, I've been vaccinated, I've been vaccinated, I've been vaccinated, you know? So, so, you know, you put a mask on as a courtesy if there's a lot of people around, but otherwise it's like, yeah. I don't wear a mask. You know, it was like when Biden said, you know, maybe by if we if everybody does this and knuckles down, maybe by July, we'll be able to have a few family members over for a barbecue. And 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 people like turned and looked at each other and go, you know, people standing at their barbecue, holding their beers, looked at each other and went, huh? (laughs) By July, huh? Okay, we're outdoors. July. Yeah. If there's not a crowd before I got vaccinated, if there's not a crowd and I'm outside, I'm not wearing a mask. Mm hmm. You know, you know again, mean, so- only, you know, unless there's a, cur- you know, as a courtesy, because if you, you know, you've right. got a friend or a family member who's like um, known to have some some um, pre-existing conditions or, you know, that they're nervous about it. And it's like, well, then, yeah, I'll put a mask on. It's not like I'll do it as a courtesy. But, you know, trying to say, you know, that there's a rule that I must do this. And and suddenly yeah. who put the CDC in charge of all of the rules that, you know, they are not yeah, my my me. my um, my handler like Britney Spears, um, you know, no. Britney Spears dad. You know, you don't get to decide for me <laughs> what I'm exactly. going to do. Exactly. Uh, Thank you. And that's the part that really drives me crazy. These these bureaucrats do not want to give up any of their power. And it's yeah. like, I, I don't, I'm vaccinated, just like I'm vaccinated for the measles, yeah. okay? I'm not wearing a mask everywhere I go at all times. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like, you know, I still see people driving around, and they're in their car, and they're the only person in their car, and they're wearing their mask. And it's like, man, if I get in my car, the second I'm in the, the, the door shut, the mask is off my face. 
Exactly. Very often it's off exactly. my face as I walk to my car because in the parking lot I'm not near anybody. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm outdoors and it's like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, I, I say, you know, I, I tease about it, but on the flip side of that is like, hey, you know, each of you work to your level of comfort. If you want to wear the mask in your car because that makes you feel safe, then fine. Go ahead and do that. But don't get upset when I don't, okay? Because to me, that's silly. And there's certainly no science saying that me and my car by myself uh, are, you know, is in any danger to anybody or, or to myself, you know, yes. driving around. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to... Uh, I mean, like I said, I'll make fun of it, but, but I, but I do recognize that, Hey, if you want to do that, that's your business. I mean, if you want to rock, walk, you know, walk around with your, your clothes on inside out, that's your business. You know, I mean, I, I really don't care. You know, it's America. You can, you can do what you want to do. Go for it. Yeah. Um, you wear your pajamas at Walmart, knock yourself out. You'll yeah. look like an idiot, but knock yourself out. There's plenty of people who do, you know? <laughs> You know, I've actually thought you know it'd be fun to just like say, hey, let's get dressed up and go to Walmart, right? Let's 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 put uh, some some curlers in our hair and and uh, and uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll uh, you know stick pieces of toilet paper on my face because I you know like as if I'd cut myself uh, shaving, and uh, wear wear flip flops and pajama pants and an inside out t shirt and let's go, I'm ready. You know, you want to have a fun outing, just go and see how many people you get to stare at you because you've, you know, dyed your hair green and spiked it up. And, you know, I mean, go, go oh, all 80s. Yeah, go, go in all 80s, you know, you know, pierce your cheek you and go. put in a safety pin. I don't care. It's your business. Um, you do you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And my thought with those guys, you know, who did that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, so when you're brushing your teeth, when you swish your water back and forth in your mouth before you spit, does it like come out the hole? <laughs> I'm sure it does. It's like, how, how do you do, do that? How, how do you blow yeah, up a balloon? You can't blow up a balloon because air is coming out the side of your face because you pierced it. Um, but and, hey. And you know, the, you, you think about people who take crystal meth. The reason why um, they they lose their teeth is because... Um, they have a dramatically reduced saliva um, creation in their mouth. And so their teeth draw out, dry out and um, they, they decay. And so if you've got a hole in your cheek, mm -hmm. how do you keep your teeth, you know, lubricated so mm -hmm. that they don't become decayed? How do you not you drool know? out the hole? Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> it really it's is. Gross. It's gross. I, you know, I didn't realize that was the reason. I knew that, you know, crystal meth people have, bad teeth generally but i didn't realize the reasoning behind that or the cause i didn't, never really studied it that closely or read anything about it so um that's yeah my that's understanding gross that and disgusting the mouth, gets, the, the mouth gets so dry that it, yeah. that it wrecks the teeth yeah that makes sense that makes sense although i know that my dentist has said that i have um on the, you know on the drier side of a mouth that that you know for whatever reason and as a result i have very little tartar buildup um so like when I go in to get my teeth, they don't have to scrape my teeth very much because I don't build up a lot of tartar. I mean, I've got other issues, but, but, uh, well, uh, and you and, probably brush your teeth regularly and go to the dentist every six months. Oh yeah. Yeah. So part of that is just good hygiene. But, uh, yeah. A meth, yeah. No, a meth addict doesn't brush their teeth ever. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> like my little wiener dog, they got poo breath. I was like, oh, <laughs> and, and. Part of that is I understand they go out in the backyard and 
eat each other's poo because that's what dogs do. And I try to pick it up as much as I can because it's gross and disgusting. But you know what? That's actually normal behavior for dogs and for canines. It's gross to us, but it's... When Taco Bell started the little chihuahua with your kiddo Taco Bell, I'm like, ew, a dog will eat anything. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're scavengers by nature. They literally will eat anything. They're, they're right up there. They're right up there with goats, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. If it smells particularly stinky, dogs are really, really fond of it. Um, Cats, so. on the other hand, are very persnickety. Yeah, although in the wild, I think they probably would be more likely to eat more. I, I think that dogs are more likely to eat, like, um, carrion as well as things they catch, whereas I think the cats are more likely to say, no, I want it fresh. I don't want I'm yeah. not eating roadkill. But the dog will go, yeah. hey, it stinks. It must be good. <laughs> <laughs> like, eh? Yeah, a cat, yeah. A cat will, will kill their food. Yeah. Or watch another creature kill their food. Yes, and then chase that creature away to, to then eat because, you know, yes. why work when you can just, you know, let somebody else do all the hard work and then take their food away from them. <laughs> I watched my cats. I used to have a pair of cats, and I watched them do that to each other. One of them caught a mouse one time and brought it to me while I was in bed. I think I've told that story before. And yes. I tried to catch the mouse and couldn't catch it. And the cat then looked at me like, are you an idiot? And then he picked up the mouse like there was no problem to it. So I then picked him up very quickly and ran him out to the garage, mouse in mouth, and set both the cat and the mouse down in the garage. Um, and he sat the mouse down and then put his paw on top of it and looked at me like, didn't you want the mouse? And, and this blur came shooting by. And we looked down and both of us went, where'd the mouse go? And the blur was our other cat who came by at a full speed sprint, never slowed down, and stole the mouse away. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Sam and I were sitting there looking at like, wasn't there a mouse here a second ago? And Mister's now, you know, ten feet away holding the mouse, going, Look what I just found. <laughs> it was strangely enough under your paw, but I've got it. <laughs> yeah. Cats. They're wonderful things. I don't know if I've ever told this story. When I was uh, in college, uh, I went over to my brother's uh, new apartment. He just moved in. And um, he had a, um, a Himalayan cat, uh, mm-hmm. which are kind of like Siamese but have long fur. Mm-hmm. And, Big, um, fluffy cat. Yes. And he had such an attitude. He was a great cat. Um, and I remember we were sitting there. We'd ordered. I, I brought Personality. We call it personality. For... <laughs> yes. We... Um, uh, we so I, I picked up hamburgers on the on the way over, and I'm just, we're sitting on the floor because the furniture he hadn't bought a couch yet, and um, uh, I feel this tug tug tug, and I looked down and my burger was in the cat's mouth, and he just he just looked at me like ha ha and walked off. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna eat my bread now. <laughs> yeah. Look what I found sitting here between these two pieces of bread. Had anybody really cared, I'm sure they would have been watching it. But since they weren't, it must be here for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very cat thing to do, isn't it? It's just like, hey, you weren't watching it, so you must not have wanted it, right? It's there for me. You know, the assumption that everything in the world is there for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cats, uh, house cats in particular, um, you know, not only do they have that that uh, very feline attitude, but they're very much like 
you know, entitled, like yeah. the world is there for them. And, there. and <laughs> so yeah, they have a low stress jealous. life as a result for the most part. It's like, you know, they, yes. life is good because it's all mine. And they have domesticated us. Yeah. You know, they're that's the, the thing. They're the, they're the, they rule the roost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in fact, I think most pet owners would agree that it's like um, there's more owner training than pet training going on in most homes. It's like you can watch our, when our dogs want something, you know, like like when they think it's time to eat, they will sit in front of you and laser beam stare at you. And as soon as you make eye contact, then they look over towards where their food is. So they're looking at you. As soon as they get their attention, they look at their food. They keep, you know, and you look at them again, they look at their food. It's like. Hey, I'm here. I want over there. I'm here. I want over there. Yeah, like, over, over there. There's where the food is. Take me over there. Yes. You know, they're clearly like, talking they're, they're, to you, telling you what they want. Yes. Excuse you. My bowl is empty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, I don't know to look at the clock, but I know what time it is. And it's time for me to be eating. And you need to do something about that. <laughs> yeah. They are so funny. Yeah. And, and you could set your watch. And what's so funny is, in, and we've noticed this about our dogs in, in our house, is that um, if my wife is home, they absolutely know, like, to the minute. It's like suddenly they can be in a dead sleep, and they'll, like, wake up and go, hey, it's time to eat. And they'll start bugging her about it. They'll start looking at her. They'll follow her. Every once in a while, they'll even, like, sit up and reach out a paw and, like, tap her to get her attention. And then they'll look at the the, the pantry where, where their food is, you know, to get, hey, it's over there. It's time. It's time. And she's like, I know. If she's not home. If I'm just there, they don't even try. Don't even try because so, she's the one. She's the one who primarily feeds them, and so that time could come and go, and they wouldn't care if I get up and feed them. They're like thrilled, but they never think to actually say, "Hey, it's time to eat." To me. <laughs> so can I tell you that's that way at my house? Yeah. Seriously, um, you know, if if Tobin's home, no big deal. If mom's, if I when I come home, man, they're all over me. It's time to eat or pet me or do whatever, play with yeah. me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will get the, Hey, I want some attention from you now thing from them. Um, you know, strangely enough, the oldest of the three dogs who was never affectionate to me when he was younger over the last few years, um, uh, at, you know, after my daughters had moved out, I don't know what it was about that, but he has become more attached to me. And, and so there's like, if I sit down in the living room, uh, in the evening, Within a minute or two, he's usually over there and like nosing me, going, "Hey, hey, scratch me, pat, you know, here, here, you know? which is it's kind of nice, you know. The old man has gotten gotten to have a relationship with me a little bit because the other two are, you know, have always been that way, sort of. But he he kind of just ignored me. Um, but uh, he's learned that if he comes over and kind of gives me a nudge, that he'll get some attention, and he likes that. So. And I've just noticed, too, as I've been coming back, I'm the only one, you know, my wife is teaching from school, from home, so I'm the only one really leaving the house a lot right now. And uh, when I come home from coaching in the evenings, all three of them are right there. They hear the car come in the driveway, and they all want to greet me when oh, I come in the door. Uh-huh. And that had, you know, when they, at one point they used to do that, but then they'd kind of stopped. Um, and now they're all doing it again, which is actually really nice. It's kind of nice to be greeted at the door. Although I got to say it's a little trouble getting in the door as you're trying not to step on a wiener dog, but uh, um, but it's nice to have your pets go, "Hey, Daddy's home." You know, <laughs> my kids quit doing that decades ago, so makes me feel good. There's a reason to come home because I got get get my greeting. I'm sure my wife would say there's other reasons, but you know, 
get that so, greeting from my puppies. That's nice. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. So um, Microsoft is retiring Calibri as its default font in Microsoft Office, and they want uh, pu the public's help picking a new one. So, you know, if you're into fonts, this is the time for you. Yeah, step up and um, be heard. Uh, so Microsoft is in introducing five new original fonts, and one of them will end up taking Calibri's place as the default font in Microsoft Office. I um, wonder what, you know, fontographers think about that and what those fonts look like, because Microsoft has been criticized pretty soundly for having really poorly formed fonts as their default fonts in the past, and a lot of artistically oriented people have said that's one of the reasons that they like the Apple uh, environment is because traditionally they've had better use of and, and, and have a better formed fonts within their operating system. Um, yep. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if these are, I mean, I haven't looked at them, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Microsoft has, I mean, you would think that they probably have designers and people who are fontographers um, designing those fonts so that maybe they're going to now make a you know, concerted effort to, to uh, level that playing field. I mean, obviously, the mass of humanity didn't care one way or the other. I mean, you know, 80% or more at one point. I think it's, it's down to like 78%, you know, huge drop uh, of the world has been uh, uh, Windows users rather than Apple or Chrome. And in fact, Chrome surpassed uh, Apple as the number two operating system use in use in the world mostly through schools i think most grade schools have, yep. have especially they all during have Chromebooks. yeah time of covid they've all switched over to chrome so so um there are there are five new fonts and they've already been identified tenorite bierstadt skina seaford and grandview mm -hmm. gizmodo has a screenshot of what each font looks like so um uh, yeah being so new can, fonts the names don't help a whole lot yeah you got to look at them yeah, well, I know, but I I, I wanted to list them because they hadn't yeah. chosen. Oh, sure, and, yeah. And um, uh, I've got to be honest, I'm not really a fan of Calibri. So I, I mm -hmm. find that, um, and maybe it's just because I write a lot of grants, and those grants either want things in Arial or they want things in Times New Roman. So I end up switching to one of those two. Mm -hmm. um, and if I, if, I, if I need more space... See, and most um, photographers would say Arial is awful. It sucks. Never use Arial. It's a cheap knockoff of Helvetica and use Helvetica. <laughs> yes. I, I get, I'm not saying that it's better font. I'm just right, saying, like, but it's what the world uses. Required, right. Yeah. And so yeah. um, if I need to have more space, then, I use, then I'll switch to Times New Roman just because it's a smaller font. So even there, they say 12 points and I'm like, okay, well, I've got 12 point in any font that, that they'll accept in their short little list. I'm going to go to Times New Roman because it's a smaller font. Um, so, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I only have a certain number of pages. Um, so, so they say that while Calibri won't be the default, it'll always be available. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to take it out of the system, you know, <laughs> why not? Um, uh, but yeah, switch to a different default. So, did you go to the uh, Gizmodo page and look at the the five fonts and, and see what you think? So I'm I'm it's loading. Yeah, it's loading right now. So I I will uh, tell you that I I'm looking at the five fonts and I had a a physical reaction to them almost immediately and I from the bottom up I hate them. 
<laughs> um, I would say if I were going to pick one, the one I would pick is the first one, Bierstadt. They, um, but the Grandview immediately don't like. Uh, Seaford uh, is similar to Grandview, don't like some of the letter shapes there. They just don't appeal to me. Um, Skeena is okay. Uh, do not like Tenorite at all. Bierstadt is similar to uh, Skeena. It is a slightly narrower font, so you'll be able to get more on a page with that one. Um, but it's probably going to be less legible in the long run for people who have uh, vision issues. So Skeena is probably the most legible of the of the ones that, that I don't hate. But uh, um, I would probably pick Bierstadt because I like the slightly tighter pack of a, of a more narrow font personally. But um, so they they say that Tenorite is a more geometric sans serif font that's serif. inspired by trade go- serif. Sorry, um, by trade gothic and is narrower than Calibri, making it a good choice for cramped presentations. Bierstadt is a more contemporary uh, take on inspired by Swiss typography, typography mm-hmm. uh, of which Helvetica is the most famous, which I think Helvetica is the number one font worldwide. It is. Um, There's actually a movie on, on the development of Helvetica. You can go watch Helvetica. It's called Helvetica for those who care. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's similar to Arial, but, but more like Arial, uh, but make it less soft. But more like Arial, but make it less soft is what they say. So mm-hmm. um, Arial is very round. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, uh, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, you look at Tenorite. Really the like the O's either. in the lowercase uh, letter O are an abs- a perfect circle. They are completely round, whereas most uh, O's in a lot of fonts are are like pressed in from the side, so it's more oval, and they're you know not a a perfect circle. Um, yeah, yeah, I stand by what I said. I I, I would pick Bierstadt, but I can understand somebody preferring Skeena. But the other three, I think, are are I mean, almost immediately, my 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 gut response was nope don't like that don't like the shape of the letters it's not good <laughs> so yeah so what is your favorite font oh probably helvetica you know i the, mean for the just, fonts that no, go ahead oh, i was just gonna say for for most things i mean obviously there are times when a serif font makes more sense um you know so i i i you know i'm i'm kind of agnostic about it Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, um, I did have a client once that did everything in Comic Sans, and I swear I wanted to kill her. <laughs> okay, not really, but yeah, Comic Sans like, went. It was like that um, that font that everybody used for their you know like company names for a while. I can't remember the uh, the, the parchment one um, that was. Oh, oh, was just, oh, 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 papyrus. Papyrus, yeah. For a while, papyrus was like. Everybody was using it, and everybody who ever deals with typography looked at that and went, "Stop using that font! It's awful." <laughs> you know? But you know, it just it, it it in the popular culture, it became a thing for a while, and so did Comic Sans. And you're just like, really, really. Um, yeah. And and it's I realized like that going to take you seriously yeah. if you use Comic Sans for everything. Those of us who care about fonts also have to realize that we are a small minority of the population, and most people could you know care less just put the words out there so we can share the ideas that the words represent the actual shape and and form of the words is not nearly as relevant to most of the world Um, but it's like it's like getting something stuck in your tooth or or like you know you know having to wear a hat for a baseball game and the hat's too small and it's tight or too loose and it sits on your that's the kind of irritation that it is for somebody who cares about fonts it's like that that little annoyance that just won't go away, and every time you look at it, it's there, and that's that's 
the best way I can describe it when, when somebody uses fonts badly <laughs> or makes bad choices. Um, like you well, asked my favorite font. I mean, I said, you know, generally it's probably Helvetica, but it just depends on the use case. You know, what are you using it for and how are you using it? That would then determine right. which font I would probably um, well, prefer. And if, if you're a person who creates a lot of marketing, um, font becomes critical because it sets the tone of whatever message you're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. um, the, the only problem is, is that people have tried to be so edgy that it makes the fonts illegible. Um, it's like, I have no idea what that, what some of these posters and things for bands or whatever, what, the, what they say, right. you know, they might as well, might as well be written in graffiti. That's, yeah. I don't understand it. Well, and very know, often that is, is really, really poorly chosen fonts by somebody who really doesn't have a background in doing it. They're just trying to market and they say, Oh, that's cool. And so they do it yeah. and don't think about, don't think about the, the legibility and what the ultimate purpose for the, the end product is. Other than, hey, cool, man. Um, you know, which is fine. That's their choice. But there's reasons that people actually study this stuff because they can make better choices for you. And so, you know, maybe talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. But, you know. Exactly. You're free to do exactly. whatever you want to do. You can put that safety pin through your cheek if you want to and then blow bubbles out the side of your head when you swim. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it, man. How do you man. Really feel, Todd? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little ranty, I guess. What can I say? So the U.S. Uh, Postal Service is going to consolidate 18 mail facilities. They say it won't result in layoffs because they'll just shift people from one facility to the other, but they're consolidating. Um, but apparently the American Postal Workers Union is, is complaining and saying that, no, that closing down the facilities is just a, a cover that you are going to end up um, firing people. I think what they'll probably end up doing is that as people retire, they won't replace them in some places because they've consolidated locations. Um, but the uh, affected facilities include processing centers in Oregon, Kentucky, Florida, New York, Alabama, and Pennsylvania. So nationwide, they are starting to shut down some of their um, some of their sort sorting centers and uh, and are moving it to other places where they can do things they, they think more efficiently. So. Um, you know, those are the kind of decisions that, that businesses have to make. Now, of course, they say yep. they're not going to fire people, but when they tell you your job has gone away because we're now in, you know, we've shut down in, in Oregon. And so now if you want your job, you have to relocate to, to, you know, Washington, to the other sorting center. A lot of people aren't going to do that, right? So effectively they've been fired. So, you know, they're playing games with words there. So have you ever been really irritated at a neighbor? Like really? Yeah, when they use the wrong fonts, I just did. <laughs> yes, so, I actually have. I mean, not irritated to the point of like throwing punches or anything, but yes, I've been irritated at a neighbor. Well, you? Well, Robert Frost. Robert Frost um, said, "Good fences make good neighbors." Mm -hmm. um, he did not offer an opinion on what kind of neighbors uh, use manure fences. So a Michigan <laughs> landowner, Wayne Lambarth, says the farmer in the next property in Lodi Township built a 250-foot poop wall out of cow manure after a dispute over the property line. Uh, he says the farmer usually spread the manure on fields but decided to make a fence out of it this year. Um, Lambarth, say, ten, the, Lambarth says tenants in a house near the wall have complained about the smell, yes, but officials say there's nothing that can be done about it. it it's not a poop wall. It's a compost fence. 
<laughs> it's a compost fence that is filled with poop. See, it's green. It's green and you know, right. environmentally sound. <laughs> that is hilarious. You know, I don't that know if it's awesome. a, an, I don't know if it's an apocryphal story or not, but I did smell it for myself. Down by the Anaheim Convention Center, which is across the street from Disneyland, there used to be a big field and the person who owned the field would plant cabbage in the field and then just let it rot unless they paid him to to clean it up. And that was what the story I was told. And I was down there and saw the field and smelled the rancid field and thought, yeah, somebody didn't pay their bill. <laughs> but that was the story. Like I said, I don't know if the story is actually based in, in truth, but I personally was there and so smelled funny. it and saw it. And I went, yeah, that's interesting, you know, because it's like he's not doing anything illegal, but I'll, I'll happily do it if you want to, you know, you know, throw some money my way. I'll clean it up for you. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's like legal blackmail, man. That's right. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like I brought it up the other day, that response that um, George Carlin always had when people said, you know, do you mind if I smoke? And he went, no, not at all. you mind if I fart? Um <laughs> Yeah, of course, these days that wouldn't matter, right? Because we have plastic partitions up, so you can fart all you want. wouldn't get to me because I'm protected by the plastic partitions. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was the point of the the story. The the woman says, oh, so there's plastic partitions up. Then I can smoke, right? Because that will protect everybody from my smoke. Like, well, no, you can't smoke. Well, but the partitions are up to protect us, right? If they're going to keep viruses from getting around, then surely they would, uh, you know, the, the giant particles of smoke which are you know thousands of times bigger than a virus would uh would not get through <laughs> you know they they don't know how to go around a corner <laughs> no good lord <laughs> which i thought was a beautiful point to the whole you know these partitions Indeed. are stupid um they are stupid because everything is stupid yeah yeah you know right at the beginning of this uh when we weren't sure whether teachers and students were going to have to go back to work and who was doing what and, you know, how things were going to be set up. Uh, my wife was like, well, if I have to go back to school, can you like, can we get some fiber or uh, you know, plexiglass and put up a partition on my desk so that at least I can put something between me and the kids. So when they come up and talk to me that they're not talking straight at me, you know, that, that there's something between us sort of like, you know, when you go to a ticket booth, there's something between you and all that's usually like a piece yes. of bulletproof glass. So somebody doesn't try to rob you, but you know, you know the point. And I was like, okay, yeah, let me go see. And I went down and looked at what the cost of was for a sheet of plexiglass at, um, at Lowe's and see if they had some or, and at Home Depot. And I had in the past bought some for a project. And I think a, a sheet that was like four foot by four foot cost me like $8 and they were both sold out but the prices were 45 and $50 for a sheet wow. that size now. Supply and demand, Todd. Yeah. Supply and demand. And I haven't looked again since then because it became very shortly clear that they weren't going back into the classroom anytime soon. So we didn't proceed. And further, that if they do go back into the classroom, that the schools are going to provide partitions. So, But again, partitions are stupid. But okay, if it makes you feel good. Well, and she's vaccinated, right? So, oh, she is. I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried about her anymore. I'm just saying, in general, if uh, yeah, I'm not making fun of her. I'm just saying, in in general, if people want to put partitions up in places because that makes them feel good, then fine. Um, 
you know, that was one of the criticisms criticisms that the uh, the the panel on the National Review podcast that I was listening to the other day was saying is that this, you know, too many of our doctors, including Dr. Fauci and other, have undermined their their credibility because what they're doing is they're trying to gauge what they say based on how they think we're going to react as opposed to just telling us the truth. And so, you know, the whole thing about Fauci saying don't wear masks and then do wear masks and stuff was all about him trying to he was afraid that we were going to react by going out and buying all of the masks and we wouldn't have any for the um, hospitals early on. So he said, don't wear masks. And then he came back and said, well, no, no, you should wear masks. They absolutely work. And we're all, but you said, don't wear masks. And he goes, well, that was because I was afraid you were going to go buy up all the masks. I was like, well, then just tell us that. Just tell us that in the first place. Just say, Hey, masks are, are, are great and important. Make your own, but don't buy up the masks because we need them for medical facilities. That's what you needed to say up front. You know, yes. and just and then we would believe you. But now you've lied to us once to try to manipulate us to get us to do something because you were afraid we as a as a people might do the wrong thing. And there would be some who would, but a lot of us wouldn't. Um, you know, it's it just be honest. And that's all we want from the medical establishment. You know, like Bill Maher said the other day, you know, there's lots of things that politics are important and, and have an impact on. I don't want politics in my health. Just tell me the truth and let me make decisions based on the facts. Don't yes. get political in my in my health care. Don't I don't want you know any politics between me and my medical choices yes, at all because the, of any kind. You know, medical you know medical information. You want people to believe what's being said, and the second that you make it political, half the country's not going to believe a word that you say ever again. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you keep talking, both both halves will eventually find something that you lied about and decide that they don't like you and don't trust you. And so yeah. now you've you've undermined your credibility completely. Yeah. Yes. So we are completely out of time. We're actually over time. Yeah, we talk too much. But that's a good thing sometimes. Uh come back and join us on Friday. It'll be the final day of the week. We look forward to having you join us again. We're on the radio show at six AM on KCAA Radio. Uh, in the Inland Empire, that's uh, 10.50 a.m., 106.5 and 102.3 FM. And then we follow it every day with this podcast. And we appreciate you for joining us. Please hit the subscribe button if you like what you hear. Uh, I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>